What up, what up, what up, everybody? What's up? Welcome to Money Market Truth presented by the Come Up Series. My name is Mark from Half Breed Observer as well as Uncultural Currency. And this is my co-host. Hey, guys. I'm Mo from OTB Clubhouse. Thank you guys for tuning in today. We got some stuff we need to cover here real quick. Um, but first and foremost, I just want to check in with my buddy, Mo. What's going on, Mo? How are you Good, doing? man. The market's been amazing. And I think uh, we actually talked about this last week in the open mic session. So I'm glad to see that things are working. Yeah. Let me tell you guys how, how good of a dude Mo really is. He called me up yesterday out of the blue just to say I'm proud of you, man. Uh, that, that that actually like brightened up my day. It actually made me feel good. And I realized I'm like, man, dude, you're... You're a good, solid dude, man. You really care. You just like reach out to people because, you know, usually when people call, they just want to have, a, you know, BS or, or they need something. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and you were just like, just want to tell you, man, you're doing a good job with, with the YouTube stuff. I was like, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, so it's it's crazy. But I do want to touch on something really quick. And it's kind of kind of a, a bitch session right now. If you want to, I don't know. But, sure, um, you know, you and I, we had talked about I'm not going to disclose who the person is. But, you know, remember I, we had I had gotten in contact with somebody that's not a celebrity, but, you know, yeah. was on television. And, and they wanted me to help them out with um, investing, learning how to invest and stuff like that. And I realized something, and now I see why some of the folks that are in the forefront of uh, finance, not, not the gurus that's trying to sell you stuff, but people like, you know, like you, Mark Moreau, me, and a few other people who are out here trying to help people. I realize and I understand now why uh, some of these people who are in the faces of on the forefront of financial literacy, why they get frustrated with with audience members when they ask simple, dumb questions. And it doesn't seem simple and dumb at first when you're a newbie. But I, th- I've gotten this so much now at the point it's kind of getting frustrating where people say, hey, I got five thousand dollars. Where should I put it? You get You get those? Often? Well, no, I filtered through. So I don't, you know, this, I, I, before I take anyone, I talk to them. Sometimes it's a 30 minute conversation. Lately, it's been an hour conversation. Um, the kind of people that I get now are way, way smarter than what I saw in 2020. Um, it's also because the kind of content I post the day I start posting, uh, here's how much money I made on a lotto, or here's how you can 10 X your money. Then it, attracts a certain kind of audience, which if you look at my post, it's very educational. It's very data oriented and factual. Like the only post that I got a lot of heat on was the COVID post that I made. And people just went, I think it was just triggered people that China COVID numbers are high. And Mm -hmm. apart from that, you know, there's this saying when the student is ready, teacher appears, a lot of people aren't ready to learn. And the, the, the word is learn. Okay. It's not like just getting fed information, which is what most right. people are looking for. So I, I stay away from that audience completely. Okay. Yeah. This is just like exactly what you just said right now. And I understood back in 2020 because I was also that person. So for anybody I ever reached out to in the past, I'm sorry. I apologize because I see it now. It gets quite frustrating, especially since the market, it's been on a, on a bull run these past couple of months. I'm starting to get a lot of new people getting into my DMs and ask me questions and stuff. And I have no problem helping. But I, I, I get so frustrated when it's like, where should I put my money? It's not even like, hey, I looked into this company. I did my research. These are the, the numbers that I saw, the fundamentals as a CEO. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure on it. What's your thoughts? That's different than like, 
hey, I got $5,000. I want to get into investing. Where should I put my money? Should, should I buy a REIT? Should I buy, uh, what should I buy? Should I buy Apple? Should I buy Microsoft? And it's like, I'm not going to tell you where to put your money. Like, first of all, that's not my responsibility. And you should never ask a YouTuber, entertainer, or uh, a person, your friend that's down the street, if they're not licensed. That's, some, that's a question you ask like your financial advisor. Like, if you really want to know, like, where should I allocate my money? What should I do with my money? But we, we give suggestions, ideas, and where you can learn. But I, I see it. I see it now where it can get frustrating, and I totally get it now. And I was never in that boat, I guess. Or maybe I just had a higher patience level at this time. But it's just like, where do you want me to put my I'm not going to tell you that. So don't ever ask me, like, where should I buy this at? If you guys are interested in, like, price levels and target zones that I have or Mo have, uh, show up on the the um, Hot Take Thursdays where we do Q&A. You can show up there and you can ask questions. But I'm, I'm not going to answer those anymore. I'm not going to be like, hey, can you give me a chart of um, Tesla? Can you give me a chart of Apple? Hey, where should I buy here or where should I put my money? I'm, I'm done. There's books that you can read. I, I got them right here. Some that will help people who are new into investing. Um, the first book that I recommend people read is The Richest Man's Salon. Great book. Have you read this one, Mo? I've read the book, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I don't know if you're like me. So I've been through about 60, 70 books. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I read until like I have to go through the book, like maybe a first <laughs> chapter to actually think about what I, because mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll be like, oh, I, uh, I learned this. And they're like, where'd you learn it from? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe one of Tony Robbins book. I don't, I forget. Because like, it all where? meshes together eventually yeah. when you read so much. Yeah. That, that's another thing for sure. And then um, here's another one. The little book that beats the market. It's a great book as well. Go ahead, check that one out if you're interested in learning how to invest. This is for like the brand new newbies. And then Warren's Buffett and the interpretation of financial statements. This one's really helpful. This really will help you um, understand financial statements and everything when it comes to the earnings reports and et cetera. So uh, this one's definitely good. That's all you need. Grab those books, learn how to invest first, and then start looking into the company and start asking yourself questions. But don't don't come up, don't slide in my dms and like where should i buy this price at if or do you think i should buy this company without like hitting me with some research at least at least show that you're actually trying to learn because nobody's going to be out there that's going to be able to help you 100 manage your portfolio online so that's my little i guess com- complaint in my on, on the show already six minutes in i'm already complaining <laughs> so all right let's get uh we got some some other stuff to talk about uh let's talk about apple man did you watch the apple earnings i mean not apple earnings but the apple event the wwdc um i did and it was different and i said to people that the positioning doesn't look bearish uh, i know you shorted and i know people could have shorted up 185 and made money but it was too volatile and the flow there's 200 calls that were hitting the tap every single drop so those guys are still sitting there today though we saw i saw massive 180 puts come in but it was one of the strongest event that Apple's done in terms of structuring wise, like from 2020 to all the way now, it's sell the news kind of market, which that day worked too. But the market structure for Apple was very bullish, even after the sell off. Mm, you see, I always look at the flow. Um, I do follow all of the Apple events and I did short it. I'm going to talk about that here in a second because I'm going to pull up a chart. Uh, but God, dude, that event was so boring. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> did you watch it live at all? I watched like, so I watched some part of it. Like I watched the part where they introduced the VR glass. I watched, I watched the part where they partner with Disney and, oh, okay. um, so you got the good so, parts. Yeah. Yeah. You, you saw the highlights. Dude. <laughs> so the minute it started, 
I was just like, God, this is this is like boring. Because usually their events are pretty energetic. I enjoy watching it. But this one, I was like, it's boring. We all came here to see the VR glasses. Just get straight to it. And I know it was like, you know, a whole build up to one more thing. And yeah. once they presented it, I think it threw off a lot of people because the, the goggles are, I keep calling it goggles, they look like goggles. The VR device, it's going for $3,500. And um, I, I like it. I'm going to be honest. Like, I like it. I think um, it's completely different than Meta. I wouldn't compare it to like the Oculus. And that, that one seems to be more focused on um, productivity and business with um, the entertainment side, but entertainment for like watching content or whatnot versus the Oculus, which is a bunch of games and you can also be productive in it. So it's just very different. They're, they're two separate devices. I don't like to compare them because they just they're vastly different. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm excited to see it now. I won't pay thirty five hundred dollars for it. I mean, would you pay that? Well, like, here's my thought. Like, it depends on the purpose. Like, someone might just buy that instead of buying, um, like, a, a TV and a, a video game or a couple of things, right? If there's, like, a college student, like, I'm just giving you a profile. And you know what the problem that I have with people is everyone has a take on Apple, but it's based on their personal opinion. What they don't get is I'm going to use the word nerds. There's so many people and like I'm profiling here, nerds <laughs> have a ton of money, right? Like, especially like people that are into this stuff, they are going to buy it. I don't care if they're going to use it or not. I know people, and I'm pretty sure you do. They have a collection of every single iPhone that that's been out there for the last 10 years. My background is I worked for retail and I used to sell cell phone services and plans. And we would sit with the customer and tell them why Android is better than Apple. It's cheaper. The plan gets cheaper. And they'd say, we want Apple. And we'd say, what, why? They're like, because it's Apple. Yeah. And this is back when we were all hooked on Windows. And when you'd open an Apple skin, you'd get uncomfortable because you wouldn't know what to do. And what, that's what people don't understand. I paid, I bought a phone for my wife. Again, this is Canadian dollars. It was $2,500 for a cell phone. Uh, for an iPhone, the the new one, right? Now that's expensive, right? But it's now become a need. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. so a couple of things. She doesn't, her iPhone's old, so she needed a new one. They're having issues. So we're like, what are we going to buy? iPhone. We're going to buy the newest one because that's how your brain processes it. Because you don't want to buy the old one because then they launch another one. Now you're like two mm -hmm. iPhones behind. And that's how people think, in my opinion. And I think they probably did a whole bunch of studies to price it at exactly 3500 They could have done it for 3 k They could have done it for 5 k So they put in a lot of thought. And I think a lot of people are clueless on how much research Apple does before they launch something. I agree. They're definitely, And when they launch it, it's very refined. That's the thing about Apple. When they do drop it, and they, they're always late to the game. Always. Like, there's no denying it. Samsung... Uh, Google, they all have had this innovative technology on phones for a long time. Like right now, their their big thing they were showing is like you could tap your phones with one another and share contacts. Like that's been out already with Samsung for God knows yeah. how many years now. But when they do it, it just works very well. Now, everything in my house is Apple products as well, um, except Alexa. But um, OK, make sure it didn't go off. But the, the reason why I even got hooked on Apple, because I was anti-Apple for many, many years, man, to the point where people actually finally saw me with an iPhone. They're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Why why did you switch? I still don't like the iPhone. I still think it's a very basic phone that's not that great. I still like the Samsung phones better. But the iPhone works well with my MacBook, with my iPad, with Apple TV. It works just seamlessly and everything works perfectly fine. 
So that's the reason why people continue to stay with Apple. It's just like it's an ecosystem and also a status symbol for some. Uh, but the prices to me sometimes are really ridiculous. But I understand like they dropped the new MacBook desktop, Mac Pro, I think it's called. And that's seven thousand dollars. That, that's a lot of money. But I have a friend who's a video editor who's had his MacBook Pro since like 2010 or something. So he's going to upgrade. But his other one lasted, I mean, nearly, you know, 13 years. So yes. the products last long. So I understand the investment, but the price is really high. I'm not going to buy this first iteration of the, the VR, the VR version. For, for one, I'm not going to walk around with that headset the entire time. I'm understanding it clears up and you could see people, but I'm not going to walk around with a headset. That's just stupid. So once they make it smaller... I think um, I may look into it and maybe purchase it down the line. And I'm sure the prices will, will get lower. But who knows? We'll look into it. I, I've made fun of people with AirPods when that first came out. I'm like, that's a stupid thing hanging out. Why would you buy that? And it's the best, most expensive headphones I, I own. So it's like it's best for what it does. Um, but it, it is expensive. The, the AirPod Pros are expensive, but they work very well once again. And it took off and people walk around with it. They don't care. That it has like a little stick hanging down or whatever. And I'm sure there's gonna be people walking around with the goggles that and it will just be another another norm eventually is my thoughts on it. But let's, let's go to the charts real quick. Because I did the fact that you just you spoke about how I shorted it and um, and you did not short it, you said, right, because of the flow and, and everything. But I want to share this with you. This is just something I picked up. Can you see the screen? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is going all the way back to the pandemic. Now, once the pandemic actually uh, happened, let me go back over here. You know, we had the the massive drop down here where uh, it was amazingly around 50 some dollars. I plotted out every single one of the Apple events. I skipped this one because after this was just a massive bull run. This was like, you know, 20, 2020. So I kind of skipped that one, but I came here when it came to September's event. So I plotted out every single event and I noticed the trend that during the event, typically there will either be a run up or it will sell off. But the, the day of it will run up a bit. And then the minute the event starts to happen, it starts selling off. It happened in this event. It happened in this event. This one, this one had a run up. This one had a run up. This one had a run up to the event. And then it tanked, tanked, tanked. All right. Fast forward again, had a run up. The event happened that day. It actually tanked and then it kind of recovered. Same thing. Next event, it ran up. The event happened. It tanked. And then you go over here. This is the only one where there was no um, run up. It just it was selling off already. Then event happened. But the day of the event, it did pump up and then it sold off again. Um, and then this is the only event. This is the big one. This is the big event. I remember this one specifically because they introduced a new MacBook Pro with the M1 Pro chip and the redesign and a 16 um, inch MacBook, which is the one that I have here. That one was uh, is the only event where there was a run up and it remained running up. It did not sell off on the event. You go up to the next one. There was no run up. It was selling off, but it still sold off. It pumped during the day and then it went down again. No run up again, but it ended green that day. This is the only day that on the event it ended green. Fast forward again. This last one all time high event happened. It sold off. So there was 11 events that I plotted. 10 of them, they sold off day of the event. The minute the event started during those hours while they were doing their whole show, essentially that's when the, the Apple started selling off. Only one did not. So there is a pattern. Pattern. So had you shorted every single one of these events, you would have made money except for one. So that's the reason why it went in there. Not only were we at the all-time high at that point at 185, the event was going to happen. So what I ended up doing is I waited until 1245. The event started at 1 p.m. my time. It hit 185. I had an alert. It went off and I went and I shorted it for 185 at the money. I shorted. 
and then it started tanking during the event. I sold out of it at 25%. Could I have held longer? Sure, I could have. I honestly probably should have bought more contracts and shaved off a little bit, but I just had one contract and I collected uh, my 25% return. I think that day, had you held it, I think it would have been like over 100, 150% you would have made off of the tank. Had you held it another day, you would have made close to 200, 250%. On, on that drop because it went from 185 all the way to uh, what 178 within a 48 hour period so you could have made some pretty good money on that day but this just for me it just made sense we were at the all-time high there was a massive run-up going to the event and then um yeah the only reason i didn't hold is because i wasn't sure about the vr event the minute they announced the vr i wasn't sure if it was going to reverse and go up but it what it did do it accumulated a little bit and then when they were done the minute they dropped the price it started selling off again so but i didn't want to i didn't want to get caught up just in case you know i like low risk so that's how i handle it did you notice that trend too when you were looking at apple yeah yeah we um, we said that last week we said it's a sell the event so but again you played it saying it and playing it way different the emotions are kicked in Dude, the, the way the candles were going up and down, the premiums were fluctuating a lot. That's what I'm saying. Data-wise, anyone can be an analyst, but you actually execute it, which is hard. And some people are like, oh, you should have held. But I was watching the premiums moving. It wasn't an easy hold. Like, even puts weren't easy because it was going up, down, up, down, up, down. I would have sold it too if I was you. Yeah, because you, you saw, especially like, because I got a 1245, and it didn't really start moving in my favor until probably about... 30 to 45 minutes later. Um, yeah. But I wasn't even, I mean, even with the pump, I got in at such a good position. I wasn't down much. I was maybe down max $40 before it went in my favor. So I didn't, I didn't take a loss, but I was willing to risk this one. I just felt like I've watched all these years on these events and I was like, and I never played it before. So I was like, let me just go play it this time. I was like, worst case scenario, I lose a couple hundred bucks. Best case, I make a couple. So it definitely worked out in my favor. But but look at that. Moving forward for the next events and stuff like that, just keep an eye on it. I'm not telling you guys to do it. I'm just giving you the statistics that I saw and the data that I saw and what I did. So, um, yeah. So, Mo, you want to talk about Tesla, right? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Let's talk about Tesla. Last meeting, the meeting before. And this is why I switched from macro to micro. Because I could tell you that Tesla, I think, will go under 100. And you would have basically thought that I'm buying puts. But so ever since I switched, I'm telling you what I'm doing. And what I said was Tesla's getting to 250 before anything happens. Currently, let's share the chart. Well, you got a call. I remember the last episode you said buy 230, didn't you? 225. Those are up. I'll go over them. Oh, yeah. They're up like crazy. Um, do you want to talk about the news first or you want to pull up your chart? Okay. Uh, here, uh, let's talk about uh, the news first. Okay. okay. Do you want to talk about yesterday what happened and then I'll talk about today? Yeah. So let me pull this up then real quick. Do you see my chart? Do you see it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Tesla, which I think is a really smart move. Tesla opens charging ports to Ford. So I got a, um, I didn't tell you this, Mo. I got a Polster 2 C- C4. Do you know what that is? No. It's an EV car, man. So it's in my garage right now. Oh, nice. Uh, it's yeah, it's by um, it's by Volkswagen, I guess. But it had their own company. It's called Polster. Polster Two, C4. I don't like it. I don't. Not at all. It's the speed is awesome. Like you push on a gas pedal, and you just take off like one to sixty in like five seconds. It's crazy. But I the car is very small. I'm tall, so it's very small. I feel very cramped. Um, do you remember the Dodge Dart? I don't think they make that car anymore, but it's. It looks very similar, beautiful on the outside, but inside it's just missing a lot of stuff. It has unnecessary stuff for no reason. Like it doesn't have two cup holders. You have to open up the armrest to get the other cup holder. It just doesn't make sense. And there's not enough room in the back for 
uh, two adults. It's just, it's too cramped and I don't like it. And I can't wait to get my car back. So um, I'm going to turn it in. Plus I charged it last night. I, oh, I did drove you it. buy it or did you? No, get no, 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 no. Um, it's my car's in a shop. So it's oh, a so they give you a replacement for, for yeah. timing. Okay. Yeah. It's a rental. Yeah. I asked for an EV. I was hoping to get a Tesla, but they, they gave me the Polster and I had no idea what it was. And I saw it. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. It's like a $47,000 car starting. Right. So the fact that I brought it home, I plugged it in, it was 60% overnight, it went to 78%. So that's only 18% that I charged overnight. That's crazy. I don't know if I need to buy some sort of extra port or charger in my garage for it to charge faster. I don't know. But the biggest issue is that I can't take it to the Tesla um, charging station, which is five minutes from my house, because it's not compatible with it. So seeing this news where Tesla opens up the charging port to Ford, Ford made a very, very smart decision by partnering, partnering with Tesla because the infrastructure is not there. I know everyone wants to get rid of all gas cars, but the infrastructure is not there yet. And that's the thing you got to think about. Like, even like the climate change folks, there's a get rid of you know fossil fuels and all this other stuff. You can't just get rid of stuff right now. It has to be a slow transition into electricity. And it's like people don't understand that. It's just like, no, we just want it all gone now. And now dealing with this car, I understand why. It's actually kind of inconvenient to have a EV car that's not Tesla. So I, I get why more people prefer Tesla right now because of that. So it's smart that Ford is doing this, which now opens up Ford to be able to sell more EV cars because now they'd be able to use the Tesla charging port. And then Tesla, of course, makes money off it as well. Completely smart. And even if you look at, um, let me see if I have it over here. Uh, do you see this? Okay. No. Yep. Nope. Hold on. I was trying to show you. Give me one second. We, um, let me see. Okay. Is it switching screens or no? No. No, it's not. That's weird. Okay. Let me cancel that again. Um, I don't worry about it. I just talk about it. Basically, um, Ford stock in the past five days has been up 10.68%. You guys know I love trading Ford, especially with cash secure puts as well as cover calls. So the fact that it ran up like that, that's very impressive. 10% in a single day, I think is a very smart move on their end. But what you got, Mo? So I got something similar. So they just, I'd say about 20 minutes ago, uh, General Motors is going to do the same thing that Ford did. They're partnering with Tesla. And because of that, Tesla is up roughly $8 after hours. So Do you have it here? Is that up on the screen? Yeah, that's Tesla yeah. right here. It closed at... 234 it went all the way to 245 so up 11 bucks now it's down another three so looking about an eight dollars bump and this is kind of what my goal was around 245 250 those calls when i mentioned them were 365 they're tomorrow they should open around 30 so it'll be about a thousand percent trade um but it's okay there's there's a lot of other trades in my in my opinion like i talked about how Goldman Sachs issued a list of stocks and they sent it out to all their brokerages uh, on what they're looking to grab and it's high growth small cap stock. Um, like remember we talked about rotation last Thursday and the Friday rotation happened. QQQ tech money was going into IWM and industrials and then on Monday it sold off again. Tuesday got back in and IWM I think went like 15 points for in the last three days. Um, but the Stocks that I want to talk about, and because I seem like you guys love to look at this stuff before it pops. The first one is Affirm. Um, they had a deal with Amazon, and I have stocks on this. I added at $15, so the stocks are up quite a bit. It's at 20 I think I can get about 100% on Affirm by next month. And this is what I was talking about last week. 
I don't really care about the name of the stock. If Mark loves Tesla and he made, let's say, 30% over Tesla in the next three years, and I make 30%, let's say, on a firm, it doesn't matter, right? It, those are just alphabets. But again, I get investors, they feel a lot more safer when they're picking names they love. I don't really have any compassion with tickers. I just look at levels. So this has a 20% short interest. And I showed that to you guys last time too. The daily is showing me this. So I'm going to make things very simple. So this is a daily chart. We're going to add moving average, which I told you is a secret. Um, last six months has been key 50 on this was 12 ever since it broke it's been just running this was our supply which i'm gonna for the term that people understand call it resistant call it sell zone this is where we closed at today this was the daily candle it went from 16 to 1852 if tomorrow the candle opens above 1763 which is most likely will unless something massive happened in the firm this supply is broken it's invalidated which makes this also a breakout trade. The next level is 2275. The option that I like here is June 30th, um, $20 calls. So they're not that far out and you have time. They should be about $1.50. You can pick different strike price of different day, but that's what I'm liking right now. Apart from it running, being a lagger, breaking supply, partnership with Amazon and 20% short interest, Next week is OPEX slash quad witching. Most of these short interest stuff is running already, and that's what the trend. So a firm has a very high chance of being 25 by end of the month. I think 20 is a safe bet. So let's check mark everything. I've told you six different things that are working for in terms of sentiment. In terms of technical, this looks amazing. Um, the chart pattern in terms of flow. It looks, uh, there's been, a firm has been getting at 19, 20, 25, 30 calls all over this year. So this is one of the trades and it's lagger. What are we comparing this to? UPST. Look at what UPST has done. After 50 MA, it's almost what went 60%. So a firm has a lot of room to go. So keep an eye on a firm. This is my A plus setup. The other one that no one really is talking about that are gonna take a little bit of time, but can go. Roblox, cup, handle, breakout, failed breakout, test of failed breakout. I'm gonna delete all of this and we're gonna do this from start. The level that you wanna watch out for Roblox is a 50 moving average, which is 40.52. If we look at the demand zone, it's right here, which is the buy zone for me. Um, Mo, real quick, when is the earnings for this though? Is that is that little, there's a mark down there on the bottom of the chart. Is that, is the earnings coming up? 67 days for Roblox. Let me oh, give okay. you one for a firm too. Hold on. Okay, because because those, yeah, because the, the earnings most likely will be bad on, on Roblox potentially. So a firm is 91 days. 90, okay, so that's plenty of time. Okay, good, good, good. Hold on. So this is the buy zone, and I potentially should have added this around the 38 range, but I've been in too many trades, and this, it looks amazing. Above 40, 57, 52, this thing can go to... Um, the, look, there's a gap up all the way to 45, and we keep catching this, meaning there's accumulation happening here. I, I would go for 40 for either June 30th, or if you want to be safer, July 40th is not bad. Again, any of this is not a financial advice. The difference between a firm and Roblox, a firm's broken out, okay? Mm -hmm. There's strength Bro there. Same thing with Tesla. It's broken out. There's strength there. 
Roblox is building up. So you need to give this time. This isn't the trade that you watch every single day. And this is your stop. If we break this, let's use this 3750 level, that would be my stop. I'd get out. So Roblox looks amazing. A plus setup. But again, a firm broke out. Roblox hasn't. So you have to give it time. Another one like that is shop. Uh, but actually, let's go over China name because I'm talking about China for a while now. And what you're going to notice, they buy every single dip for the last, what, four days on 85. They keep buying it. The moving average is not that far out, 88.68. And the flow on this, they've hit 88.90 for next week. And they've hit 100 for the rest of the year. So looking good. China's told their banks to buy. China's told their banks to cut the interest rate so people can feel a little bit better. This thing can do 90, 100 possible, most likely by July end. So BABA is another killer play. I'll go with one last one, and then I don't want to give out a million plays. The next one is, it's just so many good plays in the market. I usually never have that much going in terms of what I'm watching. This is the last one I'll talk about, is shop. This is basically where the earnings happen around May 23rd. It's gapped up and it's just eating the move. It's just consolidating here, okay? It's above 50 moving average versus 54. I own stocks with shop and me and Mark were talking about, I'd rather pick this over Amazon right now. Uh, that's my personal bias on this stock. It gapped up, it sold off, but kept getting bought off. So here's a buy zone for this. So 59.08 would be my stop. 65 would be my strike price. And I put, uh, picked July, which is why on a firm and shop, I picked stocks because I don't want to micromanage it. But those are the setups I have. This, like, just looking at this looks like a breakout. So here's what I liked about this pattern. It was a bull flag. It broke out. It's retesting the top of the bull flag. And this is a very common thing before it gets you a new high. Over 65, this thing has a lot of, let me go pull a weekly chart on this. Oh, are you not concerned with that gap up right there that it won't retrace the gap and fill it before it goes up? Which one? Um, that one right there, that big candle. And then with you, like that big green Here? candle, that's a gap. Yeah, no, no, no. To the left, that big, big green candle. That's this? a gap. If, yeah, if you zoom in, if you go back into, it, it was a massive gap up. So you're not concerned about it retracing going back down? You mean this yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're not going there. So our stop would be this. That's what I said. This is the demand. This would be this 5807 or what level is this? This is 5708, 5908. This is our stop. Oh, okay. So under 59, I'd cut it. If this breaks, so I'm pretty tight with stops. I'm not in, I'm in stocks. My stop for the stock is 55. I'm not cutting it beyond that. Uh, I'm not holding beyond that. But for uh, a month and a half, so July end trade, this would be 59.0. This is a very good risk reward trade. If this holds, you can go. So let me show you the weekly setup. This is where I think we can get to 6874. So if we can break 65, you're looking at about 69 easy and then 76 on the higher end. But overall, I think we can double almost from where it is now. So th those are all my setups. I like them. I actually may get into some of them later. We're going to talk offline because I might jump into some of those there. Now, well, you know, we've been very bearish for a while. So 
again, are you thinking this is what OPEC's coming next week? Are you you're not concerned of the sell-off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then buying Thursday, Friday? No, so let's talk about it. I saw people go insanely bearish yesterday, and I was too until I saw the level of call buying happening at 4,300. We've got quad witching next week. A lot of stuff will remain pinned, the big stuff. So if you notice, Apple's at 180. Tesla's getting at 250. We get to very round numbers around quad witching. It's no um, coincidence. So 4,250 and 4,300 is what the range will stay until next week, unless something really bad happens. Uh, 4,300 gets unpinned after June 16th. After that 4320 is the JPM call wall, we're stuck there. So I think big tech, I'd kind of stay away from it unless you're looking at Tesla or Amazon. Apple's stuck at 180. If that breaks, we could get to 185. But to answer your question, I'm going heavy on small mid cap. I'm not really trading um, the other stuff. China, I'm fine with. Um, The easiest and the easiest trade out there, if someone's like, I want to get the easiest and most like no-brainer trade is buying VIX calls tomorrow for June end. We've got CPI, we've got FOMC, and VIX is at all-time low pretty much for the year. Um, I'm It's at 13.65, 14 calls for, I'd probably pick at the money month-end calls tomorrow. That's my goal. Yeah, I'm actually still in that VIX. I talked about, I think it was last week when it hit was it 16 or 15? I did not expect it to go as low as it is. This is like ridiculously low, ridiculously low. So I probably need to add one more. Um, but I'm, I'm actually down 66%. But I know all that stuff's coming up. Mine expires in 14 days, I think, or 16 days. I got two more weeks, I believe, on it. So end of the month. Um, so I'm, I'm holding it right now and I may add, um, a different position at the money, like you were saying as well with everything that's coming up. Um, cause VIX is sometimes a pretty easy way to trade. If you know that there's events that's going to come up, that's going to make everything volatile. It's, if it's you, an easy if, play. If you do the Friday prior to the event and like, I don't want to say always work, but what you just did for Apple, if you mm-hmm. go to your for VIX, go look at the Friday prior. Um, there's going to be a dip around 11, 1130. That's what I'm planning. I don't want to give too much information. Uh, but that's kind of what I will be doing. Awesome. All right. And then I want to share real quick. That, that was it, right, Mo? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's it. That's it for okay. me. All right, cool. Now, I've spoken about XOP before, I believe. I shared it on my Instagram. You guys probably seen it. If you look at my uh, Instagram, my real one, not the fake one that people keep creating. If you go on there and you look at some of my um, my plays that I've been getting in and out, you'll see XOP pretty much in almost every single one of them because I like XOP Falls Oil. And um, it's, it's been on a, on a pretty good run here, but we still got some space and some time. So I used to always play it around the 118 to 120 is where I usually always get my vertical puts um, or cash secure puts. So they're saying it's strong. You have a possibility for it to move up another $10 to 143. Um, but 116 is like the perfect location is what they're saying. Personally, I am going to wait because right now you're kind of stuck in the middle, right? It's ten move, $10 up move and a $10 down move. So I'd rather just kind of just wait versus trying to force it right now. But if it ends up going back down to that, the 120s, the low 120s and breaking below 120s, even especially 118 has been perfect. Every time it's been hitting 118 is when I've been buying it. And then um, I would just do the vertical puts and I typically get like 70 to 75 percent within like a week. Typically works out pretty well. Now, if you go over here, I wish I had seen this article before. This is actually pretty decent play. This is written on, on May 31st. 
but they're talking about exopene. And again, this is gas and oil. So if, if you understand the movement of gas and oil, especially during summertime, we know during summertime it will increase, right? That's how it just is. More people are going to use energy and you need it. So here they had on yeah May 31st, this is when um, XOP was actually at $118, which again, is when I got into it, uh, they said here, this is for a June 2024 cash secure put, okay? It was cash secure put, just one contract alone. If you do it for next year, summer, this could have played out for you. So the put contract at the 115 strike price has a current bid of $14.70, meaning you're going to collect $1,400 just to basically get this cash secure put saying that we've talked about this before in the, in the previous episodes. If it dips below 115, you're going to be forced to buy it at 115 clearly. But with the $14 um, that you, the $1,400 that you collect, uh, you're essentially bringing the stock down to $100 and 30 cents. That's what you're really paying for all the hundred shares. Now the goal is for it not to go there, depending on what you want to do. If you want to own XOP, sure. You want it to go down there. If you don't want to own it, you just want to use it as a trade like I do. You'll be happy because this play alone, had you got into this today, um, looking at it at the chain, it's actually you would have you could have exited today, which at 129 is the key level. So 130, 129 is a key level. I have to decide if it's going to go up or it's going to go down. But you would have um, you could have exited today and profited four hundred dollars. You have given back a thousand dollars, but you would have profited four hundred dollars in a matter of what eight days. That's pretty good. And that's stress-free. That's that's cash secure put again. Because you could get out of those anytime. You just gotta give back whatever's remainder that hasn't been um like depleted yet. However, if you look at that chain, I want everyone to go over there today, open up the chain of XOP, look at June 2024, and go look at that 115 strike, look at the 120 strike, and even look at the 110 strike. They got some pretty juicy premiums there that you can collect if you're confident that this will be above or if you want to actually own XOP because at those strike prices, you could pretty much own XOP for about 100 bucks a share if you would own it. So hopefully that makes sense. That's the cash secure price side of things. And that's all I got. So that's pretty much it. Well, got anything else? Uh, nope, nothing. I just say um, make sure you guys are sharing, following, and kind of um, tagging us because I want to go over how to find these tickers before they happen. So I don't actually manually do it. Uh, I want to do maybe 20 minutes next time. We'll go over a screener on how to find these tickers. That would be great. And uh, maybe like Mark or someone from the conversation can put our, I guess, the classes that we, we conducted, right? We went over cash secure puts. We went over cover calls. And then we had two individuals who do it for a living as well because I'm, I'm, I trade. So I don't actually take any profits out. Everything I trade, I usually just kind of put towards trading more or towards buying stocks. Um, but we've had two people in there that also spoke about it. So that's a pretty good lesson if they can put maybe put it like a playlist or something for that because we're going to start moving on to something else. And I'm looking into trying to make you guys a better investor. So we're going to talk a little bit more about investing side on, on my end. I'm going to bring some people on here who are amazing, amazing analysts and investors. And you can kind of dig through their mind and like what they look for when it comes to investing. Also, you guys already know there's a lot of good resources out there. There's a lot of people out there that sometimes help as well. So shout out to them um, for me and on my journey. It's been Q has been real crucial. So shout out to Q. Um, I know a lot of people like to uh, like Charles. I know he hates Uncle Charles, but aka Uncle Charles, he's also amazing at investing. And people always say Warren Buffett is like the essentially the best investor on the planet. And I, I would agree, but what does he really do? He's really just a master at holding. He's a master of having patience. That's really where he excelled at because he buys relatively safe stocks and he just holds long term. I mean, the guy's been what investing for 120 years, right? Something like that. 
So the, the, the dude's a beast. He's, he's great when it comes to patience and patience will always win over anything. Like talk to anybody who's been investing for years. That's literally what they do. We have um, Gerald Peters. Shout out to him. He's one of my homies. We might bring him on here too. But if you ever follow him, you'll see that in his lives, he gets really frustrated and angry with people. And it's because everything I talked about when we first started this episode, it just kind of gets annoying because like, again, this guy's been investing for 30 years. And he knows just buy and hold. You'll be fine. End the story. Stop complaining. So, all right, that, but that's the plan. We're going to start getting into some more stuff when it comes to investing long-term. So until next time, everybody, you can find me on YouTube at Uncultured Currency and a Half-Breed Observer. Um, Mo, where can I find you? Uh, you can find me on OTB Clubhouse on Instagram and OTB Shark Mo on Twitter. All right, awesome. Until next time, peace. Oh, wait, Mo, don't you go live now? Yeah, so uh, this guy's going to hold me accountable. Uh, I go live. <laughs> every Wednesday now and I basically come in and give a midweek uh, kind of review of what's happening and uh, yeah that's what I did yesterday yeah so make sure you subscribe or follow him on Instagram so you get notified when he does go live it may not be all the time but he's trying every Wednesday okay just make sure you follow him until next time peace out that's Hunter